It's shiny. It's awesome. It's cool. It's a piece it's of hardware that I can give my baby boy. Porque eu não comi nada antes. You know, I'm absolutely. Hold on, I'm talking, brother. 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 Hello and welcome back to Hold On I'm Talking Brother. My name is Joe Greenwood and you are listening to our UFC 280 preview. Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev for the lightweight title and Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw for the bantamweight title in the co-main event. And Tom is here. It's finally here. Christmas for MMA fans is finally arrived and Santa's sack is full of goodness for us, my word, Tom. Did you actually think this day would arrive, that this card would be happening, and all these fights would still be on? No, uh, no. <laughs> such as such as were the events of last last pay per view. Um, we shouldn't say its name, but that event with Chimaev Diaz and mm. all the shenanigans surrounding that. Uh, I've been rattled all week, and I've been very nervous to see actually. You know, what's going to fall through? What's going to go yeah. wrong? We haven't got to the weigh-ins yet, Joe. I was just about to say, the weigh-ins are about to happen uh, tomorrow morning. And uh, the fear is well, they did Well, they did a real job on our last, on our last uh, <laughs> pay-per-view <laughs> podcast, yes. which was totally in the trash on yeah. release. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So please, MMA gods, we know you are cruel, but please just don't screw us over again. Um, Tom, no messing. Let's get into it. UFC 280 from Abu Dhabi this Saturday. Me and Tom are about to do a preview of this card. We're going to uh, mainly focus on the main card, the main five fights. We're going to make predictions for each fight. Um, and the rules for the game are very simple. We're going to make predictions. We're going to pick a fight who we think is going to win. And if we get that correct, that's one point. And we're going to pick the method as well, which will then... Give us two points, 10 points on offer in total. Tom is the reigning and, in fact, defending champion, although that last defense was on a technicality, I must say. Uh, Tom, um, let's let's just get into it. This is what champs do. We'll go straight into this preview, and we're going to start at the top of the card for the lightweight title, Charles Oliveira, versus Islam Makachev. And Tom, should we just get this out of the way now? Charles Oliveira is the champion of the lightweight. Well, yeah, much as I am myself, despite the technicalities and the confusion surrounding our prior events. Now, of course, Charles missed weight going into his last uh, defence against Justin Gaethje, just half a pound over, all sorts of questions about the scales, what was going on there. Mm. And uh, definitely he is... He is the lineal champ, no question about it. For Though sure. it won't go down in, in, in the records as a defence. Uh, now, interestingly enough, Charles has become the embodiment of the champ, taking on all comers, knocking out, uh, well, in some, sometimes literally, but uh, I mean dismissing everyone in the top five who's come his way. Mm. Uh, and they've had to dip down to a guy who hasn't fought uh, top ten fighters, who hasn't fought ranked opponents, uh, is Makachev deserving of this shot? No, he's not. Like, like, if we just look at his wins, he's not deserving, and I think that's fair to say. I mean, Bobby Green, who has now been cut from the UFC, uh, you've got Dan Hooker. 
Tiago Now, Moises. before you cause a, a mass panic, Bobby Green, yeah, he, he's not on the roster, but that is just a suspension because of USADA. Sorry, my yeah. mistake. Before um, we have tears amongst the audience. Sorry. But Joe, I'm... he's won 10 in a row in the UFC. That's not enough? Um, no, for me, no. There, there needs to be that sort of signature win. And he was potentially going to have that in the matchup with Dariush that didn't end up happening, which is where Green stepped in. This is not Makachev's fault. Like, he can only beat who's in front of him. And he's done a very good job of it. But if you take Islam Makachev and who he is and who he's beat, and you remove his link to Khabib Nurmagomedov, is he going to get a title shot? Like, straight up. Definitely not. Definitely not. So... You are, and Charles Oliveira was right in the press conference saying that Islam is riding the wave of Khabib Nurmagomedov into this title shot. Um, for me, I think that's fair to say. I will also think it's fair to say that Islam Makachev is one of the three best fighters in this division, though, and that for him to have a title shot is inevitable. And frankly, I'm not too mad about it. Well, I also thought uh, Makachev brought up a pretty good point in himself in that uh, Oliveira, just two years ago, came straight out of left field, or even less than two years ago, when he when he fought Chandler back in uh, May of 2021. Mm. Um, he wasn't a fancy. He wasn't amongst the elite. He was an no. outsider. Nobody was seeing him as someone who would win the belt and then go on to hold it. But circumstances broke his way. He got that opportunity against Chandler. Finished him emphatically in the second after a mm. real back and forth fight, and then of course dusted off Poirier and Gaethje uh, in the months that followed. Now yeah. he is the all dominant champ, so perhaps Makachev can emulate that. Mm. How's how's the fight going to go, Joe? What, you want my prediction straight up, or do you want what I, I think the I, X's I, and O's of the fight are? I mean, I just look, it's being billed as this kind of um, grappler versus. Versus wrestler, i.e., like a jujitsu specialist fighting this um, sambo sambo champ, mm. that kind of suggests to us that we're going to see a fight on the floor. Are we going to see a fight on the mat? I think that if the fight goes any sort of distance, then that is inevitable. I think Makachev's wrestling is too strong to deny that. I think am I? I'm, I don't know. If, I don't think I'm off base with that uh, entirely. Yeah, I mean, Makachev, he's he's not he's not hiding it. You know, he said he wants a finish on the ground. He wants to prove a point. Mm. Not that we ever thought he was going to be trading hands with Charles Oliveira. No, uh, which he shouldn't. The he man shouldn't he's do. become, of course. But you know, one of the things that people used to say about Khabib is that he kind of, you know, he it's almost like Khabib had a point to prove, and so he would keep the match standing uh, when it probably wasn't the fastest route to victory for mm. him. That kind of psychology it doesn't seem to be working on on Makachev no. and of course Joe that is because Makachev has been knocked out he has been finished he has two fights into the UFC fighting a man who's now uh, Adriano Martins you know where he is now Joe where is he fighting yeah I, I'm gonna guess uh, maybe some far off MMA promotion in Siberia well Taura MMA so okay if that means something to anyone, then please, please write in. <laughs> but that fight, it must it must have scarred Makachev. And since then, he's yes. not taking any chances on the feet. He wants to get to the mat. Well, he doesn't get hit. Like, that's the thing about Makachev. Like, his stats are insane. Like, you know, you see these fights where guys get absorbed around about, like, 
two strikes per minute, you're like, wow, this guy's got really good defense. He doesn't get hit at all. Makachev absorbs 0.84 strikes per minute. Like, that is less than nothing in terms of MMA. The flip side of that is that his output is very low because of those wrestling exchanges that he creates. I mean, I, the, the main battle of this fight is actually going to be in relation to the feet, which is the clinch game, I think, of these two. Charles Oliveira loves the clinch, that sort of left hand, collar tie, loves getting that in, throwing uppercuts, throwing knees to the body to drain you of your gas, and then the break on the clinch, catching you on the break. You saw him do that against Gaethje, you saw him do that against Chandler, you saw him do that against Poirier. In these title fights, that is what Oliveira wants to create. He wants to create these chaotic exchanges, and the thing with Oliveira is he marches these guys down. He really does march them down. And I actually think that that approach of marching them down is what he needs to do against Makachev because Makachev, as you've seen with these sort of Dagestani wrestlers, these Sambo specialists, is that they love using the fence. They, they're they really good at weaponizing the fence to take people down, pressing them up against it, sapping them of energy, breaking their posture, pulling them down, pulling their hands away continually over and over and over again. And... To stop that, you have to move forward. And Charles Oliveira, he does many things, and he does them many very, very well. But one of them is marching forward into battle, creating chaotic exchanges. I, I think if the fight goes any distance, Makachev taking him down is inevitable. What is also inevitable to me is that Oliveira is going to land on Makachev, and he's going to land big shots on him. The question is, and I really feel like this is maybe the biggest unknowable in the whole fight, is actually can Makachev take a shot? Yeah, absolutely, Joe. I think I think you've hit it the nail on the head there because, of course, he's done everything to to uh, keep that secret from us. You know, uh, number one by not fighting the top guys, by not being matched up with them. All right, in yeah. fairness to him. Um, but also in the way that he's fought, he he really you know he really hasn't wasted any time in in taking it down to the map. But he hasn't fought someone uh, who can apply the pressure and offer some threat from the map like Charles. Let's say let's say that Makachev takes uh, Charles down. Yeah, we think that's going to happen. Yeah, Makachev he's got top position. Yeah, how much credit do you give uh, Charles's defensive? game mm. off his back mm. i think off his back i i feel like his defensive game i mean we've seen him use this before where he's got like a sort of he uses the left arm a lot i've noticed to like either to create clinches but also to post you know to press his hand against them to create distance and he also uses like butterfly sweeps, which is where you get your shins inside of the other guy's shins when you're there on top of you, and you sort of like flip them off from there. You kind of like create separation and space for you to move out from there. I think that that is what he has to do. He will be active on the ground. I can expect. I think we can expect long scrambles and sprawls between these two. As a submission threat, I don't. I think Charles Oliveira's guard is somewhat overrated. He doesn't really get submissions mm. from there. And when people talk yeah. about that, I think they're kind of they're getting too lost in this mythical idea of the guard, where I just don't think that's likely. If no. Charles is going to submit Makachev, it's going to be from the back, and it's going to be from 
damaging him on the feet. Well, I, I, our thoughts line up entirely here, Joe. I, I really think that if um, if you have got that kind of top pressure that we expect Makachev to exert, I don't think what you're going to see Charles throw up a miracle armbar a la, no. you know, Anson Silva, throw that tri- triangle up and, yeah. and take out Charles Sonnen in the fifth. I, yeah. I, th- I find that very unlikely. But what I did notice on Charles's record and what we have seen from him uh, is guillotines. Yes. Yes. Now, it seems a plausible scenario that Makachev could uh, get, you know, get over eager, force the takedown, and step straight into one of those guillotines and get, you know, a little bit surprised by just how vicious Charles is in yeah. that submission. That is also where it's going to come from, that guillotine. It's, he, he normally gets it sunk in, the first motion of it, from a standing position, which then obviously can come from clinch and can come from takedowns from his opposition. And then pulling them down into it. I really don't think, though, that... I really feel it's unlikely he's going to get him in a guillotine, though. Like, can you honestly foresee him getting Makachev in a guillotine? I mean, MMA is quite literally the craziest sport in the world. there's, There's no other sport like it in terms of absolute crazy variables that you're never going to see in any other sport. But I just... I cannot believe him that he's going to guillotine him. Look. I'll, I'll tell you how it's going to happen. All right. Oh, well, and I'm not laying out my prediction. Okay. Easy boy. Oof. I'm going to take the champion's Come honor by. there, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and let you uh, reveal yourself first. Um, but I'll get to that in a minute. This is how I can see a guillotine. All right. Mm. Um, you're getting later on in the fight. They've been. They've had a lot of exchanges on the mat. They've both been working very, very hard. They're getting tired. Makachev uh, is. The fight's dragging on, the, the bright lights are, are out there, and Oliveira's not going away. He's not fading, all right? He's mm. continuing to apply pressure. He's hitting him with hard shots. He's, he's yeah, That's, landing That sort of jumping kicks. switch knee that he lands, you know, where he's really exactly. good. He's really good at hitting the jumping switch knee, and let's say he lands it with the right knee. He's really good then at using that switch knee again later and feinting the right and landing the left instead. He's so good at that. So from either side, he he can offer that threat with the with the switch knees, mm. and you know, let's be honest, he the man the man is, carries a lot more power these days. Yes. So he hurts Makachev. Makachev's like, oh my god, I've been here before. He can see uh, what yeah. was that fella's name? Martins. Adriano Martins. Yeah, just yeah. that image is flashing in his mind again. <laughs> All right, he shoots in. It's a wobbly takedown. You know, the room's spinning, and suddenly, you know, it's a guillotine. Okay. Now, I don't think that is. Too wild to imagine. Uh, yeah, I mean, an unbalanced Makachev shooting. The, the, that, the thing is, is that falling like, into a guillotine. I just feel like Makachev is so defensively sturdy and strong so until the, he gets hit, Joe. Uh, that's the th- that what's that? The, what's the, what, did, what did Mike Tyson tell us once? What What did he say, Tom? Go on, quote quote the great man. Well, uh, well, every man has a plan till they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's that's that is very true, it, and also Oliveira has, like, if you look at the guys that he's finished and knocked out and rocked on the feet badly, I mean, he knocked out or he knocked down Gaethje in the first. Who has ever done that to Gaethje? Like, realistically, no one has done that to Gaethje, and Gaethje has even said that's the hardest hitter I've ever faced. Wow. You know, so we're we're talking about a guy with tremendous power. Um, it's just, it's really hard to say. And also, I, I, you know, I've watched back 
their most recent fights. And Makachev has been caught a few times on the break on the clinch. There was a few times in the Sarukian fight, which people forget about that. He did fight Sarukian. It was on short notice. I think Sarukian had less than two weeks to prepare, and it was his UFC debut against Makachev. Fantastic fight, by the way. The scrambling Fantastic. was incredible. Mm. But but Sarukian caught him on the break a few times. And it's just there's this slight pause there that Makachev has. So in those subsequent fights, we haven't really seen those moments because he hasn't allowed it to happen. So I'm wondering if he's sort of cottoned onto that or if he's faced guys that just aren't going to be able to do that to him because they don't have that strong grappling wrestling base in the way that Sarukian or Oliveira have. Like Dan Hooker and Bobby Green aren't wrestlers, grapplers on the same level as those two. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you want me to lay it on? You want, you want my prediction? My pick for this fight, I've gone for Islam Makachev by decision. I'm sorry. Oh, it, it was it's it, it it pained me. To I thought you were a romantic. I am very much a romantic man, but I, I just I really feel like Makachev is gonna assert himself in this fight, and I think that particularly if it goes out the first round. I can see Makachev taking over and, you know, winning a decision. I don't think it's going to be a smooth decision. I don't think it's going to be a decision where Oliveira is not in this fight the whole way. You know, he's... I don't think Oliveira is going to need, you know, Leon Edwards' coach in his face screaming at him to get going. Like, he's not going to need that. Oliveira is going to be going the whole time. But I think Makachev, with his defensive solidity and with his ability... I mean... The other thing with Makachev is, is that like he'll get you into a clinch position and it's really interesting that he'll use different martial art takedowns it chained together. Like he'll go for like a judo trip into sort of a single leg, into sort of like a, a sambo sort of trip as well, and he'll pull you in different directions to get there. I think it's inevitable he's going to take Charles down and I think it's inevitable there's going to be t- periods of the fight where Makachev's going to be in control on the ground. Tom, lay it on me. What have you gone for? Well, I've got to say you've saddened me with that, Joe. And I just want to have it on record for the listeners that uh, Joe also picked Poirier to beat Oliveira as well. So he's a known he's a known hater, and this should have been. What expected. did I pick? What did I pick in the Gaethje fight? Well, you you listened to me. You saw my success, <laughs> and you started back in Charlie. I picked now, Oliveira look, by submission. Here it is. Go on. Uh, my pick here. He's I'm committed. It. I've well, I've written it down. I'm committed, Joe. I picked Islam Makachev by knockout. What? <laughs> yes, by I'm seeing ground and pound knockout. Really? I know. I I I know. I know that's out of out of left out of left field. I know. Um, I was. I'm actually really taken aback. Wow. Okay, break it down for me. Well. Uh, I just think Makachev's going to have his way with him. I, th- I think Charles is go- not going to be too... I mean, I know he was drilling with this uh, Iranian wrestler they brought in who speaks mm. Portuguese. You've seen this fella? In yeah, the, he's mad, in isn't it? The, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's dyed his hair blonde and he's part of the team. Uh, and they were drilling it, really trying to prep Charles for, for a game, for you know, all based off around the mat. Now, that already suggests that Charles knows he's not going to have the fight on the terms that he's had success uh, against Poirier. Mm. And uh, and Gaethje. Um 
Charles's takedown defense is is fifty seven percent, and that's mm. against the whole average smattering of the UFC. And you know, uh, nobody really uh, quite like Makachev. So I expect a lot of action on the mat, and I think uh, Charles is going to get very frustrated. I think he's going to get tired. I think he's going to mm. uh, not get those moments to breathe, not get those breaks. And I, I, I can just see this ground or pound finish. Yeah. Really? Do you know how close I was to picking Oliveira by knockout in the first round? I was, I was a hair's breadth away from picking it. I actually, this, this was the main question that I had after writing all my notes down and writing down my prediction was, can you pick either of these two? And the other question is, should you pick one of these two? Because I feel like this is maybe one of the top five skill-for-skill fights in the history of MMA. Like, in terms of main event, title fight, MMA. Like, I'm putting this on the level of Cormier-Jones, you know, when they fought for the second time. That second fight is incredible. Joe, I I just really hope we get that. But there's always this worry that, like, what about if we're reading it wrong, you know? What about if Makachev just goes in there and smashes him? Which I think is possible. I I think, like, I'm just just worried. Is it Um, likely? That's that's Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it is, yeah. Maybe it is. And maybe... Or maybe... Well... Maybe yeah, it is. or maybe Makachev melts under under that pressure. You know, yeah. he shoots. Charles is too active off the mat. Butterfly sweep back up, chins him. You know, Makachev, <laughs> <laughs> Makachev folds. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it. It's happened. Um, now, it you know, much like Poirier going into the Oliveira fight, Poirier had trauma. He had been, he had been watching tape on Charles and he'd been thinking, don't 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 uh, get RNC, don't don't get on the mat. Mm. You know, and and. And that real reality came true. I really feel like Makachev, that knockout loss, I think that scarred him. I think that is a demon that's in there. And I think if he gets hurt, we're going to see was something some unexpected. In the Oliveira Poirier fight, I rewatched it the other day. I think you've kind of somewhat misremembered that second round. The thing that stood out for me in that second round was that Charles got on top of him. He pulled him down. Poirier did that roll to try and get away from him. And Oliveira got on top. Oliveira just literally just sapped him of his will and energy in that second round. And he had his hands all up over his face and he was grabbing his nose and mouth and closing it and he wouldn't let him breathe and then he'd be getting shots in. It was really interesting. He had this, he'd grab the face, break away from it and then shots to the body, shots to the rib, elbows from there. But, but I'm and saying Poirier um, was... He was done, Joe. The Poirier third round, was done going into the third. He, he was gassed. Was he gassed. was gassed. I think he was mentally and, broken. And mentally broken. But the gas was gone as well. Like, he just had no energy left. I mean, it is plausible that Makachev gets hurt. He's in the bright lights. He's in front of his people. He's got Khabib there. It's so much pressure. He's been knocked out before. That's scary. It I, is. I, I, I th- yeah. But, Joe, uh, we, can't, we, we can't stop here. No. We have another title fight to talk about. <laughs> Let's go. The bantamweight division, we have declared for basically two years, me and Tom have been <laughs> declaring this, it is the best division in the UFC and subsequently MMA uh, as a whole. 
in, across multiple promotions, I feel that this is the best division. And in the UFC, we have the title fight here in Abu Dhabi. Aljamain Sterling defends his title for a second time against former champion TJ Dillashaw. And this, for me, is a fight of possibly confirming two legacies. Is Aljamain a legitimate champion? And if TJ wins, is he the greatest bantamweight of all time? Which narrative to you do you think is more prevalent in this fight? Well, I want to jump straight in because you triggered me, Joe. You triggered me. Aljamain proved that he's a champ when he beat Petr Jan last time out. All right, I want to go straight in there and give Aljamain a lot of credit because, of course, he became um, mm. a bit of a hate figure, figure of ridicule, yeah. uh, a man who was, you know, losing pretty comfortable in their first fight and then cheesed that, that you know, the that win over Jan. And, 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 and then was walking around with the belt. All of that nonsense. Um, he must have been... He must have had doubts going into the second fight with Jan. Mm. He must have been reluctant because yeah. he was in trouble in the first. And and he went out there. He and he, you know, he rode Petter Jan like a backpack for for three rounds. And and you know, surprised Jan and surprised us all. Jan, we know, we know his caliber. Aljamain Sterling is a real champ. That's already decided for me. I I would somewhat uh, challenge your memory of that fight. The first round was the round on the feet where. Neither of them really nobody, did much. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah, and then rounds two and three, Sterling clearly won, and rounds four and five, Yarn clearly won. Yarn won. Yeah. And but what the, I'm, what I'm saying problem, is, he didn't what, get... what, what I'm citing to you is the general consensus of Sterling within the fan community. A lot of people dislike him, and a lot of people think he didn't win that fight with Piotr Yarn, the second one. What people need to realize, though, that a close fight isn't a robbery in any sense of the word. It's a close fight that these two had and I agree with you that he is a legitimate champion but maybe he just needs that second win do you know what I mean that second confirmation win you know kind of like how Weidman had over Silver and then he went on to beat Belfort like he need that what, that sort of confirmation what I would say is Aljamain Sterling is, isn't a star alright <laughs> no uh, not at all a win not at all he's and not a draw either um, but these are the kind of like signature fights that start to make you a name. You go mm. out and beat TJ Dillashaw in Abu Dhabi on a card like this. TJ Dillashaw, who, as you as we you set up with your second point, he's in the conversation for the best bantamweight. Um, so it would be a big big moment for Sterling, no doubt. Mm. For TJ, you know, he's kind of gone on the opposite path where Aljamain has 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 proved himself. Uh, TJ had proved himself previously, but of course, in testing positive for EPO, being suspended for two years, mm. he's a known cheat. Uh, it's kind of it's it's quite a quite a funny sport when you can look at where these guys have come from, and, and suddenly Aljamain is the good guy, and and TJ is you know the bad guy, but the villain, he's yeah. embracing it. Yeah, he's embracing it. He goes and wins this fight. Joe, it's the third time he's been the bantamweight champion. Different eras. He's a man of thirty-six. Be hard to argue with him being the the goat at bantamweight for me. Uh, yeah, I I agree with that as well. And that's that's kind of the prevalent narrative for me within the actual fight itself. Uh, these are two guys that have sort of wrestling backgrounds, but one of them clearly leans on that a lot more than the other. I I don't. Again, I think you'll agree with me here. Dillashaw is the more well-rounded striker than 
Sterling. I Absolutely. Mean, both I, both stances, heavy how leg would kicks. You, how would you, you know, describe spinning? How would you spinning describe shit? <laughs> how would you describe well a finisher as well? A finisher on the feet, like knocking people out. Um, well, knocking Cody Garbrandt out, but everybody does that. Henan Barrow. Henan Barrow when Henan Barrow was the When man. was that? Well, well that oh, was a long on. time ago. Come that on. was a different that was a different era. This is what I'm kind of getting at. What I'm setting up here, Joe, is that we don't know a 36-year-old TJ Dillashaw. We don't know where he's at right now. You know, you're, you're referencing Henan Burrell. That was in 2015. Okay. It was seven enough. years ago, Joe. Okay. So if we would describe Dillashaw's striking as well-rounded and slick and actually, I would say, kind of fleet, fleet of foot as well. Like, he's a very mobile striker. Absolutely. How would you describe Aljamain Sterling striking? Unorthodox. <laughs> I've got... Lo- um, loopy. I've got the word plodding and thumping. The two words. So, like, he, his combinations... And I was watching one of the embedded, and he was doing some striking practice, and I was just like, this is just... No one would ever say this is good striking. And I think that's kind of the point for him, because he uses his striking really to... Uh, either just slow you down so that he can create grappling exchanges or to engage in clinch exchanges from there. I mean, Aljamain Sterling, he wants to get that single leg, work from that single leg, and pull you down into that position. He will happily actually go to give you the leg back and then pull it away again to throw you off balance. Mm. But the main thing he and wants... And then take the, back, take the back off that, having caught the kick. Yeah. The back take. Yeah. Clasping the hands, working to the back get into the choke from there. That is what Aljamain Sterling does. It's real bread and butter stuff for him. And he's really good at it. <laughs> he is so good at it. But TJ Dillashaw, he's going to have to use offensive wrestling in this fight. He can't just rely on just defensive wrestling and striking from there. He needs to, I think, cause offensive wrestling for, for uh, Sterling, get him on, a, on his back and get him into uncomfortable positions from there. And I think he does have the ability to do that. Because, again, he can blend the skills a lot more smoothly than Sterling. It's whether you think that Sterling can take that, and actually whether you think either of these guys are going to finish each other. I don't know if you're leaning that way. I personally am not. I think this is really going to be a fight of very small margins. And Tom, can I just put my prediction out there for you to then react to? Yes. Aljamain Sterling by decision. And you just see, what, a smothering wrestling style overcoming TJ? I see him wrestling him, smothering him, for not entire rounds, but minutes of a round. Minutes of a round. You saw it in that first round against Jan, you know, where he would kind of plod forward with his striking combinations and then would out-wrestle him in the second and third round of that fight. I think he's going to be able to do that against TJ, not for full rounds, not for full rounds, and I think also for Sterling, he needs to get those rounds early. Because you saw it in that Yarn fight, the second one. Those takedowns stopped being effective. His his wrestling game stopped being effective. And Yarn got the better of him. He got the better of him in the first fight as well when Sterling gassed out. That is my main concern for Aljamain Sterling. But the moment, the confirmation for him, for the casual fan... And for those fans that dislike him, that he is actually that good. And he is actually the champion of the best division in the UFC. Aljamain Sterling by decision. Go on. Uh, <laughs> I disagree. I disagree oh. with you, Joe. I don't oh. see that fight playing out like that at all. 
TJ Dillashaw, he has an 86% takedown defense uh, ratio in the UFC. Um, he was an NCAA Division One wrestler. Um, I don't think he's going to be suppressed <laughs> by Aljamain. I expect Aljamain to shoot, and I expect TJ to defend, work the space, and start to light Aljamain up. I see leg kicks. I see wow. working the body. I see Aljamain tiring as the fight goes on. And I see the CEO of EPO <laughs> powering on <laughs> through those later rounds. You cited the, the fight against Jan. I think we'll see TJ, TJ, the light staying bright um, all the way through. Mm. And I think he'll start to accelerate away wow. and go on to finish Aljamain Sterling by knockout. What? I'm feeling the knockouts, Joe. No, it's UFC really? 280. I'm feeling the knockouts. Let I'm me feel the knockouts. Can, can I throw this to you just quickly? This is going to be um, TJ Dillashaw's uh, second fight in nearly four years. Yeah, and then he... and and in the other fight, Joe, he mm. blew out his knee in the first round against Corey Sandhagen and did yeah. enough in somebody's book somehow. To win the decision, he, split he won decision. the fight. He won the fight. We may have not chose giving it to Sandhagen, which I certainly right. did not. Oh, sorry, give it no. to Dillashaw. I didn't give it to Dillashaw, but he did but officially it, win. Regardless, it was an extremely competitive fight, and he had blown his knee out. I think about his age. I just think he, he he's so determined. He's worked so hard. Yeah. I think he was in the scene the whole time throughout his suspension, and I I don't think he's lost a yard. I just I feel I, like he was I hampered. Thirty seven is a tough age at bantamweight. Extremely, extremely. And if, this he, was, if he does know, this, this was the concern. Yeah. If he does this, I I may have to go out and say this is the potentially the greatest comeback of all time. Like this is this is incredible. This like in the bantamweight division right now to win the title for a third time at thirty seven. When you're with past how your, the division is with yeah. how does thirty six? He's thirty six. Th- sorry, thirty six. Sorry. You know, that would be amazing. And I kind of want it. I kind of love the old guy coming back around. You know, I love Glover Teixeira becoming the champion. You know, Do you I love, love TJ Dillashaw? I actually kind of like him. I, I, I kind of like him. I know everyone dislikes him and because he's a drugs cheat. But listen, how many of these guys are clean, Tom? Like, on a percentage level, how many of these guys are clean? Well, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of kind of outrage about, about TJ, which is... Uh... Mm. You know, it's kind of faux outrage. Yeah, stones, glass houses, pots, yeah. kettle black, all that. Yeah, I, I, frankly, if he got caught and he served his time, that's all that matters at this stage. And he's done his time. He's come back. He's beat Sandhagen, and he's in a title fight. And he's a legitimate contender. What's interesting to me, though, Tom, is I'm going to cite something that you said last week that you think that there's a sitting duck in the top five of the UFC bantamweight division. And I thought you meant TJ Dillashaw. Who did you actually mean? You're pulling me up, Joe. You're pulling me up. And that's before I sat down and came to have a moment here. It, I was referring to TJ. I was really? referring to TJ. And yeah, no. and in, in, yeah, I was. Um, you've you've, and, you've you know, fainted. You've, you've fainted across two pods. You've been like, that's it, Joe. We're, throw we're, playing, we're playing 4D, 4D chess, Joe. <laughs> we're playing 4D chess. This is what champs are made of. Mm. Right? This is going to be four in a row. No, okay. I'll be honest. I was thinking... Uh, TJ 
a bit fortunate to be there, especially with the, you know, what I thought was a loss to Sandhagen with yeah. his age, with his record over the last few, you know, few years and his absence of a record. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, you kind of stack him against those killers, and I was just thinking, this isn't this is an old man who's kind of living on past glories. Mm-hmm. Then I had a second take at it, and I thought, like, wow, he blew out his knee. Mm. And he fought like that against Corey Sandhagen. Yeah, one I of the mean, best in the oh division. My. Yeah, I mean Corey Sandhagen. We've seen him. We've seen him schooling people. Uh, obviously, a much younger man at the peak of his powers. And you know, TJ did go strike for strike with him. He he did. Mm. Um, so that made me have a think. And then, yeah, I just think this this matchup for TJ. I I, I like it. Mm. I like it. I, I'm not sure I'd like other matchups in the top five for him. I think he has the skill set to to give Aljamain trouble, and uh, and that's because of his res- wrestling base. I think also for me that, as I referenced before in the striking, I think how fleet of foot he is as a striker. Joe, he's is, fast. Is, he switches he's, stances. He's gonna he's gonna cause Aljo some problems. Yeah, some problems. And I, I don't agree. think he'll be giving up his back, kind of ducking out like uh, like Jan was. I think he, the discipline he's come from, he won't have that. Uh, you know he's so mindful about his back in a way that mm. Jan just isn't from his boxing base. So mm. TJ Dillashaw knockout. We're going to see it. Okay. All right. I'm going to ask a question about these two title fights. Do you think any of the potential winners of this fight of their fights, you know, out of the four guys competing, do you think they're going to hold their titles for very long? That division is just—it's just stacked with killers. There are people's names we don't even know who are coming. It just—it doesn't stop. Yeah, it no. doesn't stop. Um, no, I think there's like there's too many bad matchups for everybody. Yeah, I actually, I, I, when looking at Makachev and Oliveira, like I actually feel like whoever wins that fight, I don't think they're going to hold the title for very long. I don't think they're going to have a long title reign. Sorry, Joe. I was getting so wrapped up with bantamweight, I, f- I forgot we're talking about lightweight too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about can bantamweight hold the division down in bantamweight for bantamweight. Like, absolutely not. Absolutely it's, not. It, no. it seems unlikely. Uh, I mean, who 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 would be next to Makachev that you would what? as a legitimate challenger? I mean, how how long is it going to take before you've got Sharukin coming for a rematch or Gamrot or, um, or Gamrot, of course. Ismagulov. Ismagulov, yeah. Let's hold that before we get to Darius and Gamrot. Yeah. First, we've got to talk about Petter Yan, the aforementioned marauder, mm. the high bar by which others are measured. Uh, mm. He's fighting Sean O'Malley. The, what was it? The... Uh, what did he say about um, Marley? The uh, oh, he said, he, he said he looked... Oh, what? He said he looked like a Mag- whore on the side Mag- of the road. He, that was a good. That was a good one in the press conference. But he also said that O'Malley is uh, Project McGregor 2.0. Oh, very funny. Well, I mean, and he's right. But O'Malley, uh, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it, Joe. I did, I did look through the interviews that each fighter gave going into the, going into the card. They all do their individual interviews. Yeah. All uploaded to the UFC. O'Malley's is the third most viewed after the main event. After oh, the is two it? Two fighters on there. It is. And I just, Joey, man's got no charisma. Yeah, I don't. He, I, 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 he's got he's this, not McGregor. No, I, this was something that I was, because I was talking to 
my partner Kirsten about this, and she sort of follows the sport through me. She's got her favourites. Bloodthirsty. And, <laughs> and let me tell you, Sean O'Malley is not one of her favourites. And I was trying to like explain that McGregor appeals, to, or he appealed at appealed. that time. Appealed. Yeah. Appealed yeah. Yeah. to a certain type of man at that stage. Kind of, kind of loutish. A loutish boy, you know, loves the beers, loves getting on it. Cheeky line of coke on a Friday night, you know, after Joe, work. Joe, Joe, hold on, hold on. You loved Conor McGregor. I loved You Conor. loved him, I know. <laughs> yeah, he's, exactly. <laughs> I loved, I loved thank, Conor. Thank you. <laughs> and so me, too, and me too, all right? That was a, that was a moment. And I don't he had, know. He had just such sparkling banter. The banter was <laughs> The unreal. timing. The yeah, timing. It was, it was incredible. It was so good. I, I just think O'Malley appeals to a younger demographic that is just not... Tom, we're in our 30s, right? We're two 30-year-old white blokes who are English. Sean O'Malley is not for us, okay? We need yeah. to accept that. He just appeals to a younger demographic. Um, and to me, that means having next to no charisma, um, next to, by the way, Piotr Jan, a man who doesn't speak English, uh, or at least you know not to a high level... Who looks like a charisma machine next to him? Like I just, <laughs> like I, I don't know. I feel like the balance is wrong. Like surely everyone should be looking at Young, going like, "This guy's hilarious. He's, you know, he's cold. He's brutal. You know, it's he he, this is the guy that you should be getting behind, not this, you know, skinny rake of a dude who seems to have one shot knockout power though. Or well, that's just power. it, Joe. What about yeah. his fighting style? So good. I I, this is a he's so good he's so talented but we've seen this with O'Malley he stepped up to the big time twice forget your Howling and Pivers forget your Jose Quinones you know when he stepped up and faced Marlon Vera and when he faced Pedro Munoz he had problems he had problems and I know he said oh well you know the trap nerve from Vera you know he got it from a kick and it was it's not a real thing he kicked you in the leg and your leg went out Right, and then you went to the ground, and he elbowed you into the deck. Okay, Pedro Munoz uh, neutralized him by switching stances with him and blasting him with leg kicks. When he stepped up, that to this was level, it. That's all it took. He, That's all he, it took. He, he struggled. He has yeah. struggled. And Pedro Munoz is a shorter man than Piotr Jan, and he's not as aggressive as Piotr Jan. This is such a big step up. This is such a big step up, and. Yeah. It's hard for me to like because O'Malley as a striker, having watched his fights back this past week, is he's got some like interesting patterns, which is he'll just sort of like throw one shot, one shot, and then he'll just throw a quick combo, and he'll actually intercept his opponents with combinations. It's not just a jab or a straight or a hook to th- throw you off balance. He'll throw a one-two combo as you're coming in to throw you off. Problem that I have though is that I think he's gonna he gives away so much potentially against Jan because Jan in his five round fights he's a bit of a slow starter but in his three round fights he's won the first round in every single one of them he is not a slow starter in that and he's still getting reads he's got this sort of tucked up shell whatnot he doesn't give much away and then he'll just explode on someone knock them down you know he'll really sort of brutalize them he'll find that weak spot and absolutely expose it. And uh, I'm giving my hand away here. I'm going first again on predictions, if you don't mind. I've gone for Piotr Jan by decision. 
Oh, Joe, you picked another decision. This is not like you. I know. I'm the knockout king normally. I'm you normally the knockout, knockout man. But... Seduced by a by a knockout. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm struggling to make a case for O'Malley. I got to be honest. Yeah. I mean, the thing you, you might, you know, if you were trying to look for something uh, as a as a casual fan, you might say, well, O'Malley's got that that knockout power. He's got the range. Yes, you know? very much so. He's got more. He's got more. I'd say variety in his attacks, as such. Of like, he can throw like, you know, single strikes that maybe Jan isn't going to throw. Whereas Jan might have a more conventional boxing style. I also think though, Jan, he's going to take him down in this fight. Like, I, I think Jan is going to wrestle him as well, and he's going to see but, see what he's got on that. Uh, Amali's been feigning this uh, this ground game, you know, like letting everyone know it's there. You know, just just test me. You know, yeah, just, yeah. just stay on the feet, otherwise yeah. you're going to get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I have my doubts about that. And of course, we do know Peter Jan can fight much taller men because he fought Corey Sandhagen, who, uh, yeah, with Sean O'Malley is a you know very dynamic striker, much taller than Peter Jan, and. Uh, he got the better of him in I re- quite spectacular fashion. I rewatched that fight, bro. That fight is a masterpiece. There's an incredible sequence where Jan uh, gets Sanhagen backing up, and he throws like a one-two, and then he throws like a spin back fist that lands, and then he follows through on that with a left straight that comes through that knocks Sanhagen down. It's almost like a, a four-shot spinning combo, yeah, I think and I it, oh god, it's so good. That fight is so good. By the way, Jan. Love spinning. He'll throw a lot of spin of spin attacks. And yeah. once he gets that slight step outside, he literally has to have that step outside. He doesn't wait for it, and he'll throw immediately that spin attack. I just... I, I, I go back to what you said um, when this fight was announced, which was, if there's a guy who's facing Pietian, I'm picking Pietian. Like, that is just <laughs> like... I'm just... There's no way I'm not picking him, no matter who it is. And it's... I, I, it's hard not to pick him. It's really hard not to pick him. Like, really? Yeah, really? It, it is, and hence why it was such a shock, you know, that um, that Aljamain found that found that weakness, you know, in the way that Petr Jan was was turning turning away when he was exiting out, having thrown his strikes, you know, mm. and uh, that was, you know, one of the beautiful things about the sport. I don't think it w- can happen again, but probably yeah. we're going to find out if your prediction is right. Yeah. And we probably will see Yam. This has been start. announced. This has been announced as a number one contender fight by Dana. Uh, obviously, actually, and I say, feel that this is fair. If O'Malley beats Yan, I need shot. to see how the fights go before I'm on board with it. Yes, like I, for me, Yan has to win pretty comprehensively. I don't know that that I, I'm not in a rush to see him fight Sterling again because the division is so exciting. Well, he'd be fighting you know? Dillashaw according to you, but there's. Yeah, well, that's a fight I want to see. So, you know, that's why I'm saying I have to see how these fights play out. Joe, uh, I have picked better yet. By decision? By, by decision. Really hovered around another knockout, you know, just because of O'Malley's uh, infamous flimsiness. You know, there's, what, two, three fights? Two, the Sukum, the Andrew... Sukum the, top, the Sukum top fight. Yeah. And the where, Marlon Vera fight. And the Vera fight, yeah. I and will say... I've noticed this in his opponents, even, you know, the Chris Moutinho one, is that people blast him with leg kicks and he doesn't really check them. Like, he really gets blasted with them and he reacts in a really big way. And I saw a video a couple of weeks ago of Jan 
switching stances and throwing leg kicks, like in training, and boy, you do not want to be on the end of those. Those looked horrendous. Like, and so, I, I O'Malley Aldo versus Faber vibes. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I, I if O'Malley, if he's going to win this fight, he needs to be switching stances a lot. And I would say kicks up the middle as well. But he needs to be wary of getting those getting caught and getting taken down. Because I think if Jan gets on top of him, that ground and pound, he's got that sort of Volkanovsky thing where he plants his feet and then throws the ground and pound. It's got like this sort of stronger base from there. It's, um, yeah, it's going to be quite something. Uh, shall we talk about the dark horse fight of the card? I, I actually really struggled with this fight. But Neil Dariush faces Mateus Gamrot. I'll tell in you, the... I didn't. Before you didn't? Into it. I didn't struggle with this. Okay. Okay, cool. All right, let me set it up. Benil Darius faces Mateus Gamrot in what should, in theory, be a number one contender's fight for the next lightweight title shot. I, I think that's fair. Um, they're definitely not getting the next title shot. I think well, that's... we've railed against this before, right? <laughs> Any yes. long-term listeners know our feelings. <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of dross to clear out in, uh, in the lightweight division. Absolutely. Um why? What was so clear to you in this fight? Then let's okay. Let's let's look at this. Is that these two? They're going to have to take the long road to a title shot. You know, it's the sort of um, the John Fitch style run to the title shot. But well, you know, the problem with that is that you only get one title shot. You don't get two. And I think don't, that might be the you, these guys. you say the long the long road. I mean, Dari, your man Dariush here. He's been in the rankings for a little while. Uh, mm. In his last five fights, he's had three performances of the night. In his last seven fights, uh, he's won every single one. Tell me about how long how long does me, that road need to be? Tell me about Benil Dariush's promos. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's just a, such a simple fella. No, he's, uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's adorable. Uh, emphasis, he's a good emphasis Christian on the boy. Simple. He's a very Christian man. Hates socialism. Um, that, that, he made that clear in the past. Um, not a fan of that. Um, but yeah, in theory, I mean, the Drakkar close knockout was my knockout of the year for that year. Like, I, I absolutely adored that knockout. I thought it was incredible. Just absolutely insanity. Yeah, followed that up, followed that, that one with the spinning back fist on Scott Holtzman. Oh, God, that was sickening, that one, wasn't it? Yeah, he's he's a just a fantastic fighter. Totally outrolled uh, Carlos Ferreira on the mat. You know that when, was mad. So from, I, yeah, those scrambles. I remember those. Came him. There was a bit in that Ferreira fight where Ferreira was like on his back, sort of inviting him in his guard, and Darius just like all right, and just went flying in to his guard and just yeah. like out grappled him and just <laughs> big brothered him, started manhandling him. Yeah, yeah, he's, a, he man, owns. a man. Yeah, which is by the way. Bit about that's kind of what I'm worried about. What might happen in in the main event? Mm. That's kind of what I'm, I'm I'm worried about. You know, what about if Rakachev's like, yeah, all right, all right then, Charles, and he just smushes him. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Gamrot Joe, how long should his road be? He is twenty one and one. Oh my God. Former KSW two division champion, featherweight and lightweight, lightweight. champion. Um, he lost his debut in the UFC to Kuta Taladze um, in 2020 and has since gone on a four-fight win streak, including wins over Scott Holtzman, Jeremy Stevens, Diego Ferreira, and then potentially the fight of the year against Armand Sarukian, um, where uh, that was just an absolute beautiful fight of scrambling and 
mad exchanges on the feet as well. I can see this fight being quite scrambly. I wonder, do you think Dariush is going to have to rely on the wrestling to try and like slow Gamrot down? Because I think if Gamrot starts motoring along, he might have the advantage over Dariush in that respect. Well, you mentioned rely on the wrestling. Uh, didn't work out so well for your man Sharukian in that in his fight with, um, with well. Gamrot. I mean, I think both me and you scored that for Gam uh, for uh, Sharukian that fight, did we not? Very close fight, Joe. Oh, so close. It's so yeah. good though. Um, so good. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But then on the feet, you would say that Dariush has the power advantage. I would. I would assume. Uh, one of Dariush's comments was uh, that uh, Gamrot's a bit bigger than uh, he thought he was. I, um, I was surprised at how big he was, actually. Yeah, and Gamrot wanted to show that, uh, removing his shirt before the press conference even began. He was, yeah. he was out he was out there trying to show something to quieten the doubters. Does Dariush uh, have the power advantage? I think only if Dariush is hurt. <laughs> That's where... <laughs> That's when things could get messy for you because mm. we've seen in the past that he's, he's not out, Joe, and he still mm. swings big haymakers. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not sure he does have the power advantage. I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, I am sure that Gamrot has the speed advantage, the movement advantage, um, the diversity of striking advantage, and I think he's got the wrestling advantage as well. So this fight is quite clear to you then? Of yeah, Joe, I've, I've given it to Gamrot and I've given it to Gamrot by decision. Interesting. That's Joe, really look, Joe. This is the new. This is the new school. Now, the the poor thing, poor Dariush. He's been working away, beating what's in front of him, looking mm. great doing so. Yeah. And in the meantime, the UFC has opens its opened its doors to the east. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Dariush is having flashbacks to his, you know, to his origins, to his childhood, mm. and hearing stories of the, I don't know. The, the red wall and how communists should be, you know, killed and that's, all this sort of nonsense. That's yeah. just it. And and suddenly you've got Kuta Taladze, you've got... Uh, Gamrot, you've got Ismogulov, Sarukian. Uh, yeah. Yeah, all these absolutely elite killers, Joe. And yeah. I, I just think they're... I really think they just represent the future of the sport. Right. So you've gone with Gamrot over Dariush. and it's the I new era, baby. And I presume you that would be... Oh, well... I was going to say the next title shot, but apparently that's going to Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, we'll get to that after we uh, finish previewing this card. I'm going to surprise you here, Tom. I've gone for Mateus Gamrot by decision. Uh, with this, I, I've, I feel like this fight could be really, really close. Uh, I just, I just feel like Gamrot's speed. He'll just have a speed advantage over Dariush. That he's going he's he's to he's gonna outland Dariush, Joe. And he's yeah. going to get out. He's, he's going to roll with him. There's gonna, it's going to be quick exchanges. And Dariush is not going to be able to keep the pace. Excellent. Right. Opening the main card. Love Dariush. Love Dariush. He's looked great. He yes. deserves credit. But and God, the, the way, sport has moved on so fast. And he big brother Tony Ferguson as well. Like, people forget that. that like, you know, I... <laughs> I feel like now with Tony Ferguson, after that Nate Diaz fight, we look back at the Dariush one and the Oliveira one and go, like, he wasn't that bad, was he? Like, you know, that was the... D Diaz one was bad, you know, but... Was that so bad, the Dariush one? Like, his performance in that? I, I don't know what happened to Tony. 
Science will find an time, answer one day. Time got him. Time is what got him. Right, opening the main card. Women's flyweight. Caitlin Chukagian, the number one ranked flyweight, uh, faces Manon Firo, um, a woman that I've been bigging up for quite a long time, Tom. Tell uh, us why, Joe. Tell it because this is a woman, you can't stop mentioning her. You she's say fantastic. two words. When you mention women on this podcast, Joe, it's Kirsten. <laughs> and then it's Manon Firo. Firo. Well, the thing is, Fiero is... I'm just so, like, taken aback by how good her striking is. Like, genuinely, I think next level, like, when I think about the best women's striking or strikers, you know, I think it's really her, actually, and Shevchenko are the best ones at it. The others that are, like, at the higher end of that, I actually don't think are technically great strikers. I just think they've got power, and that they can crack the, in a way that other women fighters can't. Zhang Wiley, you know, Amanda Nunes. Nunes. Yeah, mm. exactly. Pena's dipping jab, you know, it got only so far. But it's, it's these ones. And I think Fioro's technical ability on the feet is, like, so superior to everyone else. And, as was demonstrated in the Jennifer Meyer win, her takedown defense is really good as well. And really, I think that's the only way Chukagin can win, which is to create clinch exchanges and to go to takedowns from there to engage in the grappling. I just don't think it's going to happen, and I'm actually going to go with the Manon Fioro win. Surprise, surprise. Number one contender off of a decision win. I think it's going to be a long night of fights, Tom. That's yeah, Joe, I, I, um, I have never seen Fioro fight. Have you not? I've never seen Fioro fight. But the dedicated professional I am, I did watch a quick montage. <laughs> And I'm all, I'm all for it. Let's go. Decision. Okay. Manon Fiero. All right. Excellent. Um, right. Prelims, Tom. These prelims are very, very good. That's, that's, that's the only way to, to really talk about it. Let's talk about what headlines the prelims. Bilal Mohammed versus Sean Brady. A fight to remove a grindy wrestler from the welterweight title contenders. Now, Tom... What what are you what are you feeling in your loins? Which which grindy wrestler are you leaning towards in this fight? Well, uh, Sean Brady already neutralized one in uh, Michael Chiesa and neutralized him pretty pretty comfortably. By the way, Chiesa, me me and you were so big on Chiesa, and then Brady just smashed him basically. <laughs> like it wasn't even close, really. It was it was yeah. quite something. Anyway, continue. Well, uh, so we have that to point to. Bilal, on the other hand, has had a bit more favourable matchups. Um, they've kind of given him the chance to become a bigger presence. You know, it's a, it's a nice fight to get Stephen Thompson. It's nice to fight Damian Meyer. It's nice to fight Vicente Luque, if you're a wrestler, well, I mean. Oh, I was about to say, it's not nice fighting Vicente Luque, but um, yeah. It, it is if you can wrestle, Joe. Yes, it, it kind of is, right? Um, it's you know you know what I'm saying. It's, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He's not been matched up with Makachev. He's not been matched up with well, Rachmanov know. or um, yeah, Rachmanov know, or or even Kiesa. Yeah, Ki- sorry, yeah. I'm getting mixed up because Kiesa, of course, has gone up to to 170. Mm. Yeah, even Kiesa, exactly that. Um, you know, or anyone else at 170. It's quite a wrestle heavy mm. division, and somehow. He's managed to bypass all of them outside mm. of Damian Meyer in what was, I think, his last fight in the UFC. 
Back in I, June of 2021. Yeah, after he'd had three or four fighters demonstrate the game plan to beat Damian Meyer. You know, Woodley, Covington, Usman, they all faced Meyer and beat him. And they all did it exactly the same way. And Balaam Mohammed just basically had to follow that same template. So, yeah. Okay. So you're saying that Brady has kind of a, has what, you feel like a more legitimate test on his record in Chiesa? Yeah. That's okay. exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think Brady's going to beat Balaam. Wow. Wow. See, yeah. I think Brady is, he's really, he's got a really tough situation that he's walking into. Because he's, he's facing Bilal in Abu Dhabi. He's, uh, he's got Khabib in his corner now. You know, he's, ali- he's aligned himself with that gym. Uh, you know, I think Bilal is going to get a really big reception um, when he walks out there. And I think Brady's going to be in quite, an, you know, it's going to be a difficult situation to get through. And I think if he can get through it, and I am actually picking Sean Brady to win this fight, I potential title contender for me in Sean Brady. I think he oh, is... Easy now, easy now, easy now. Yes, but... Hey. see more. No, no, no. We we need to see more. Gilbert Burns. He's graduated. Do you know what I mean? He's one of these guys. You get to graduate to like, hey, you get to face someone really good now who's gonna you know mess you up. You know, as you say, Gilbert Burns, for example. Hopefully not Jeff Neal. No, no, no. Give give Neil Masvidal. Do you know what I mean? Get, let's have some strikers facing each other in this division. Let's have some fun. Come on. Right, Tom. Can I tell you? the prelim fights that I like the most outside of this? Or do you want to go first? You're the champ, you go first. I think a bit of respect is, is warranted, Joe. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, I, I let you run so far. But um, in fear that you might highlight the same fight, um, I will go first. I have picked here uh, the fight just just before, but Mohammed mm. and Sean Brady. Uh, Mahmoud Muradov. Mm. Out of Uzbekistan, he's fighting Caio Baralho out of Brazil. Uh, yeah, Joe, I like I like what I've seen so far from Baralho. Yes. Interesting character. Yeah. Was he's, it the, he, uh, the like for the geeks? No, isn't that his whole the uh, martial art geek? Isn't it? Or that's that's his, his sort of uh, that's his brand. That's his brand. Yeah, eleven wins in a row. 11 wins in a row, and really, really good wins in the UFC. Um, Looked great yeah. against Petrosian last time out. Yeah, really neutralised Petrosian. Um, yes. Also, Muradov, um, he has that really excellent knockout win over Trevor Smith. Do you remember that when he, the mouthpiece went flying and Smith folded like a balloon? Like, it's just... It was it was quite the finish. I will say though that Muradov in his last fight did lose to Gerald Mearshart, which is uh, no offense death. to no no offense to Gerald, but that's uh, hardly hardly a um, how should I say a ringing endorsement. Uh, but this should be a good fight. It should be a uh, I think good test for Barajo. Uh, actually, the fight I was going to pick was um, well the only English fighter on the card, uh, Mohammed Makayev. Uh, on the card against Malcolm Gordon. Uh, second fight uh, on the card in the flyweight division. Makayev 7-0 in the UFC. It's looked impressive so far. His last fight didn't quite live up to his first one. Uh, win over Charles Johnson, who I actually think Charles Johnson came out of that fight looking very uh, very good. But it was the uh, one over Cody Durden that really sort of announced him 
at the uh, Fight Night event in London in March. And I think this is going to be a really good um, test for uh, Makayev. You know, Gordon, he's been in the UFC for a while. He's got some, uh, he's got some good wins. Um, you know, he's, he's, you know, a good experience test. He's got a good win over Francisco Figueiredo. Uh, did he did he beat Sumadirji? No, he lost to Sumadirji, didn't he? But um, God, not, you know, knocked out by him, Joe. Oh, I take that back then. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's a good experienced fighter for him to face. Three fights in a year in your debut year. Good when you're stuff. That young. He he was desperate to get on the card, Joe. He really wanted to fight in yeah, Abu yeah, Dhabi, yeah. and of course he is. I think of Dagestani descent. Well, he has, again, got that backing. And if he gets a couple wins early next year, won't be far from a title shot or the top of the division. He he said before he wants to be the youngest champ ever. So, uh, yeah, wow. one to watch. One to watch indeed. Um, right, shall we go through our picks again? Actually, Tom, I've got, some, I've got a, a stat to tell you about this card just quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. If you take the top six fights... So, from Sean Brady versus Balal Mohammed up to Oliveira versus Makachev. And if you just take out Piotr Jan, you just take him out. Out of those, all those fighters that are fighting in there, 81 fight win streak for all of those fighters combined. Oh, my Lord. Oh my 80, Lord. So, basically, we are getting a bunch of fighters all fighting each other on wow. streaks. It's quite rare to see that. Often you get, oh, this guy, he's on a good run. Oh, this guy's just lost. Let's match them up from there. You don't normally get this. This is this is actually, when you start to cut through this card, this is actually the reason why this fight card is so good. You've got so many undefeated streaks going. Mm. Like these long well, win streaks. Well, none more so than, of course, the main event. We didn't mention it when we were discussing it. But, you know, I think it's the first time in UFC history that you've got two champs uh sorry a, a title fight up with with both contenders on 10 fight win streaks i think that's, that's incredible before. that's incredible absolutely incredible right let's go through our picks one more time this time going from the bottom up uh caitlin chukagian versus manon fioro i've gone for fioro by decision and uh, you have as well um for benil dariush versus Mateus gamrot uh both gone for gamrot by decision if i remember correctly um Piotr Jan versus Sean O'Malley. Uh, Piotr Jan by decision for me. And Same for me, Joe. For you as well. Yeah. Now, <laughs> the title fights. Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. I've gone for an Aljamain Sterling win by decision. Yeah, Joe, I've taken the other end of that. I've gone for a TJ knockout. Shocking Mad. everyone. That, that knockout, can you imagine? It's, it's big. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the main event... We've abandoned our boy. Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev. We've both gone for Makachev. I've gone for Makachev by decision. And you've gone by knockout. Yeah, ground and pound knockout. Yeah, that's... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, I think we both want Charles to win, but that's how we've, we've if gone for it. Charles knocks him out in the first round, I I will absolutely lose my mind and I'll be so happy. Yeah. Uh, it's what I would want to happen... And what I think it can happen, for sure it can happen. I've just ever so slightly lent to Makachev by decision. It's just that unknown, Joe. We've got that big unknown and we're going to find out. Okay. One thing that we hope we don't see is that we hope we don't see Alexander Volkanovsky on Saturday because he has been called in as the backup for this main event here. He has also been promised 
the next crack at the lightweight title. So this is basically assuming that these two guys are going to come out of this fight relatively, or the winner of this fight is going to come out relatively unscathed and able to face Volkanovski in February in Perth. <laughs> now, Tom, what do you think the likeliness of this actually happening? <sighs> yeah, I just think it will be old news, Volkanovski, by that point. Like, the iron has been hot, uh, yeah. but... I just think this opens up a whole new kind of era. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I, where it's going to happen. I honestly thought the Perth card was set up perfectly for Volkanovski versus Emmett or Rodriguez. You know what I mean? Like, homecoming fight for him, their first card in Australia. You know, you're going to get the Australian champion at the end on the mic, cutting a passionate promo. You know, I, I thought that that sort of wrote writes itself doesn't it and then you could have Volkanovski versus the lightweight champion in July maybe you know in Vegas that would make sense to me but maybe they're not going to go down that road but hey I don't run the UFC thankfully not yet not yet give it time time. indeed right listeners thank you so much for joining us you can contact us at holdonbrother69 at gmail.com like review spread the word to your friends and family and you know anyone who you know, even slightly that uh, likes MMA, spread it on to them. Listen, if you just get a little whiff, if you get a little, they got a bit, <laughs> bit rough around the edges. You know, yeah. just give it a mention. Exactly. If they got that. They got that, that steely look in their eye. <laughs> you know. Exactly. Tell them. Spread the exactly. word. Yes. Right, Tom. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure, Joe. It really has. Really, really has. I've loved talking about this card. I can't wait to watch it. I just cannot. I'm going to be so locked in. This is all that I'm thinking about for the next 48 hours. And, um, yeah, listeners, we'll be back next week to break this card down and what happened. And hopefully it is as dramatic and as incredible as we all uh, think it will be. And, uh, yeah, speak to you uh, next week, Tom. Can't wait, Joe.